Hi, I'm Chris Marie. I'm so glad you're listening. In conflict, do you ever walk on eggshells, avoid sharing your honest opinion, or even hesitate to say no? Well, no more. Susan and I created a speak up kit just for you. It's an easy to use, proven step-by-step process to find your voice and reduce your stress. To learn more, go to thriveinc.com forward slash speak up. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash S-P-E-A-K-U-P. Hi there, this is Chris Marie Campbell. And this is Susan Clark. And we have a special guest with us today, Maria Victoria Albina, she, they, is a master certified somatic life coach, UCSF trained family nurse practitioner and breathwork meditation guide with a passion for helping humans socialized as women realize that they are their own best healers by reconnecting with their bodies and minds so they can break free from codependency, perfectionism, and people-pleasing to reclaim their joy. She is the host of the Feminist Wellness Podcast, holds a master's degree in public health from Boston University School of Public Health, and a BA in Latin American Studies from Oberlin College. Victoria has been working in health and wellness for over 20 years and lives on occupied Muncie, Lanape territory in New York's Hudson Valley. Maria or Victoria? Maria Victoria. So you are Argentinian? Yes, I am. Yeah, I grew up in the great state of Rhode Island, greatest state in the union, but I'm originally from Mar del Plata, which is about four and a half hours south of Buenos Aires. Oh, I love it. That's fabulous. Welcome. We love your focus of work and you obviously have tons of experience in it. And we also got connected through Share Hail, which we love. (laughs) Shout out. Love Share Hail. Yay. And you know what I love about what you're working with, codependency, perfectionism, people-pleasing. I come in from another angle through adult children of alcoholics, where all those are, those three are part of our laundry list of behaviors (laughs) that we develop growing up with alcoholics. So tell us why you got interested in this field and a yeah. little backstory on yeah. that. Absolutely. So mine is the very typical wounded healer story of I grew up with these thought patterns myself. There's a lot of codependency, perfectionism, and people pleasing in my family of origin. And the way my body handled it was somatizing. I was very sick growing up. I had all sorts of digestive issues, the intermittent depression and anxiety that comes with having trouble with your gut microbiome. My adrenals took a big hit at some point in my 20s. You know, the very typical story of what happens when we don't know how to feel our feelings in our body, don't know how to express them, don't know how to manage them. When emotions are really shoved down, the science says they're going to come out sideways, right? Totally. And so for me, that was through the body. I also had a parasite. So I just want to always be clear as a clinician, right? I'm not saying it was all my mindset, but it wasn't not, not my mindset. You know what I mean? Combo deal. (laughs) Yeah. And so I started to see in my patients, particularly those who would get better and then get worse and then get better and then get worse. When we were doing all the right medical stuff, what was happening underneath was this interplay of mindset and body. And their soma, which means body in Greek, their soma was showing us that there was something that wasn't being managed. And usually it was their thoughts about themselves and the world. And even the capacity, I think we don't, we don't grow up knowing how to feel our feelings, knowing that we're not feeling our feelings. We're focused on surviving this world outside of ourselves and all this emotional energy 
has to go somewhere. Totally. Yeah. And the nervous system is brilliant and amazing, particularly as kiddos. All the feelings that we can't express, the anger, the rage, the disappointment, the sadness, even joy in a lot of households, right? All of that gets trapped in the body. It gets subsumed and either comes out sideways, right? Like in my case, where it came out through digestive issues, et cetera, or just stays trapped within us, particularly for human socializes women, right? We're taught to be good girls and then good wives and good mothers. And we're taught not to be selfish, meaning don't have a self, focus on everyone else, for goodness sake, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like ignoring that whole put your oxygen mask on first. Right. Be helpful to other people. Yeah. Take care of the whole plane and then run out of oxygen for you. Hmm. <laughs> so, how did you go through your healing journey to reclaim your own energy, your own self? Yeah. So it was a slow process. I was an autodidact, meaning I figured it out on my own. I'm a nerd's nerd. As you can tell from my bio, I I love to study. I'm wicked into the science and psychology of all this. And I started back in the day before the internet, really reading books and going to workshops and retreats and sort of just gobbling up any information I could because I knew my life wasn't as amazing as it could be. I knew that I was really trapped in a lot of old stories about what was possible for me. So I really want to give thanks to my friend Becca, who God, like 15 years ago was like, honey, you're wicked codependent. And I was like, uh, I do not know what this word means, but I will figure it out. And so I got to figuring it out. And I did all the things that we do, right? All the meditation and the mindfulness and the talk therapy, and none of it was enough right? Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't holistic. It wasn't bringing together mind, body, and spirit. And so now that's the work that I do. I bring in the somatics, the body-based modalities, thought work. I use a cognitive behavioral-based approach and breath work to bring in connection with spirit, with Pachamama, Earth Mother, if that's a vibe that rolls for folks, whatever, to use the ACA language, whatever higher power of your own understanding works for you, to really bring in everything that helped me to get to where I am now, which is, I feel really grounded. I feel really centered in myself. And I know I'm living from my authenticity and my nervous system is regulated most of the time. I mean, your girl's still human, right? Absolutely. uh, Right. Yeah. I love what you're talking about because it does apply to so much of what we focus a lot of our attention on this idea of conflict being a good thing that often people don't experience it as something that's positive. They experience it as like, oh, conflict. It's kind of like stress can be the same way. People think of stress as a bad thing. And it's like, no, it's you naturally are. These are opportunities, but because of our own culture and ingrainment in it's bad, this isn't a good thing. You can't feel this. And the tendency, I think probably more for women to, I've got to fix this and keep everything smooth and harmonize everything, which is just kind of deadly when it comes Mm -hmm. to actually having a regulated nervous system or being able to handle the conflict inside yourself when stuff is is uncomfortable and you have all sorts of emotions that are good, bad, ugly, and beautiful. You kind of have to figure out how are you going to play in that field? And this very much what you're saying, I think fits that to a T in terms of dealing with that inner conflict, but also dealing with when you have conflict with somebody else and that it doesn't have to be painful. It's actually, it doesn't need to be painful, but we tend to think that way because we've learned how to avoid it. Right. And I think in there are several things. One, this society level disavowment of discomfort. Yeah. Right. Right. And I meditate twice a day. 
it's something that's really, really important to me. I sit with my girlfriend every morning and every night before bed because discomfort can be a place for growth. Right? Yeah. Discomfort is not to be avoided. And right. what we need to be able to sit in any discomfort, in conflict, in the expression of emotions is the capacity within our nervous system. So if you don't mind, I can nerd for a little minute. Okay, go. All right. Are your safety goggles on? Uh, We got them. (laughs) You got them. Okay, great. Close toe shoes in the lab, please. So our nervous systems get their initial setting around what is safe and what is unsafe, ages zero to seven. And that's when we come to understand what we can do within the world and survive, right? And so that setting is known in the literature as our window of tolerance what our nervous systems can tolerate before they freak out. (laughs) A really easy example is you're driving on I-95, which is a hot mess anyway, and one jerk cuts you off and you're like, that's annoying. Another jerk cuts you off and you're like, does not like it. You're getting close to your window of tolerance for jerks. The third jerk cuts you off and you lose your mind. You start honking the horn, screaming, flashing the bird. You're outside of your window of tolerance right? Your nervous system has gotten activated into sympathetic, which is also known as fight or flight, ruled by adrenaline and cortisol are stress hormones. And I don't like the word tolerance, particularly because women in general and folks with codependent, perfectionist, and people-pleasing habits is tolerating a bunch of BS, not one of our greatest skills, right? Like it's all we do. We're like tolerate, 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 and then... So I like to call it our window of capacity Or even better yet, my teacher, Jane Clapp, uses the term, our window of bodily dignity. Isn't that gorgeous? Yeah. Right? So how much input can come into the system and we stay in our dignity, right? Because it is not in my dignity and my integrity to scream at people and lay on the horn or to start yelling back if someone tells me they don't like my behavior, right? And to take conflict to on a zero to 10 scale right up to 27. And so that's why it's so important to learn our own window of bodily dignity, right? And so we can understand the edges and we can expect the edges, right? Right. If such and such happens, I am likely to get dysregulated, meaning my nervous system will leave ventral vagal, the calm, chill, cool, social connected part of us in which you're just rolling through traffic. And I'm likely to freak out, (laughs) (laughs) right? The technical nervous system nerd term, right? Freak out or collapse into dorsal. And where dorsal is the freeze state. I am always getting cut off. No one respects me on the highway, right? There's always conflict in my relationships. I'm doomed. Mm -hmm. So through somatic work, body-based work, we learn to regulate our nervous systems, meaning to support ourselves to come back into calm and collected so we can move through life in a way that honors our dignity and the dignity of those around us. I love what you're saying about knowing our window of tolerance or window of capacity or window of bodily dignity, Mm -hmm. learning what that is. And I'm going to guess you also, and not like recognizing I am hitting my edges. Of course, this is is how much I can do. And tell me where I'm wrong, Maria Victoria, but are you also helping people expand their- Yes, yes. Thank you. Thanks for taking us there. Yeah, that's one of the gifts of somatic work is learning how to grow our capacity for a little more discomfort. My dear friend, Cara Lowenthal calls it the infinite 1%. How can we expand it 1%? She doesn't talk about it in the nervous system work, but I bring it in here to say, if you can grow your capacity to be with yourself just 1%, 
5% at a time, you make it doable. You make it functional. You make it work. One of the things that can really be a barrier to our healing is expecting ourselves to take these big leaps, right? It's like New Year's resolutions. They fail because December 31st, you're a person who hasn't exercised in a year, but tomorrow is <laughs> the day, right? I exercise every day. So instead, in my work, we focus on the 1%. I call it kitten steps because a baby step is way too big for a nervous system. We take little kitten paw size steps towards change, towards expanding our window of capacity. So the third jerk can cut you off on the highway and you don't even go into judgment. You don't even go to calling them a jerk, right? You stay in equanimity. You stay in patience, in in acceptance of what is, which doesn't mean condoning. It doesn't mean saying, oh, it's fine for people to cut me off, right? We're not doing tolerating here, but we're accepting life on life's terms and we're staying present within ourselves. Because presence is the answer to all of these questions. How do I set boundaries? Come back to presence. How do I hold my boundaries? Come back to presence. How do I live outside of resentment, right? And in acceptance and love, come back to presence, right? Meaning a grounded awareness with, of, and in yourself. Mm -hmm. I was thinking for our listeners, because people may not have any kind of connection to this. Yeah. Is there... Like I was thinking about even giving them a felt sense of what presence mm. or even what's one thing they could do to expand their somatic experience, mm. yeah. grow that capacity. Yeah. So I'd love to lead us in a very short guided meditation. I'll sure. take it. Okay. Yum, yum. All right. So my loves, if you are not driving, <laughs> if it is safe, I want to invite you to close your beautiful eyes or simply lower your gaze. And I want to invite you to get present in your body, to attune to your breath. Doesn't mean change it. Just to come into conscious awareness of the way you are breathing and the way you are being breathed. Allow yourself to connect in with your body if it feels safe. And if going inward doesn't feel safe, connect with the edges of your body where your body meets the world. I'll invite you to bring to mind a safe and beautiful moment. The first time you saw your baby, your puppy. The last time you saw your best friend or a field of sunflowers or your favorite dessert. Make it easy. And allow yourself to think about that moment of pure, simple, easeful joy. Now, to bring that into the body as a felt experience, ask your body what it feels like to be you, alive and present in that moment. Our brains are an important part of this process as we shift from a mind-based life to living our life through our hearts. To let your brain tell the story, holding that baby, that puppy, that dessert. I felt a warm flutter in my heart. Ask yourself what color that energy is. Does it have a weight? Is it heavy? Is it light? Is it vibrating? Is it still? Does it have a color, a texture, a temperature? Let yourself truly paint a picture 
of the felt experience. Let yourself feel it in your whole body. Get present to that easy moment of happiness, of joy, of contentment. And as you feel into it in your body, I'll invite you to allow it to expand, to grow just a little larger, a little larger, a little larger. Allow that energy to fill the whole of you. Allow yourself to get present with the richness, the taste of it, the smell of it, the feel of your own emotional state. Allow that energy to expand, if possible, beyond the limits of your physical body to fill the room you're in, the subway car you're in. And from there, let it expand ever so slowly to fill your city or town, your county, your state, your nation, the world. Expand your own loving presence from the tips of your little toes to the crown of your perfect head and so into the world. And as you feel yourself full up with the beauty, the presence, the joy, the ease of your own experience, know that you too have the capacity within you to feel your emotions, to allow them the space and time, attention, attunement they need so that you can learn from them and with them, not to control them or manage them, but to allow your feelings to bring a richness to your lived experience as a human. As we close out this practice, I'll invite you, should you feel so moved to thank yourself, to thank your body, your emotions, your inner children, your nervous system, your ancestors, all those past, present, and to come who've made it possible for you to be here today, getting in touch with your perfect self. And once you've thanked yourself in your own perfect time, I'll invite you to flutter open your perfect eyes and come back to the room. Lovely. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, we we can get so caught up in telling a story that, oh, it's very hard to feel my emotions. I don't know how to feel the felt experience of my feelings. I don't know. It's scary. It's worrisome. I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But in fact, it's it's our birthright to be present with ourselves. And it's a skill we all inherently have. We just lose track of it. We forget from our socialization, our conditioning, everything we learn in our family of origin about what is safe and what is not. And so every time we come back to this grounding in ourselves, we build and expand our window of capacity to be with our emotions. And so the next time a partner says, babe, we need to talk, 
You can come back to this grounded energy in your spirit, in your body, instead of going, I'm going to leave me. Yeah. Right. Right? Everything's ruined. You can pause and breathe and be your own watcher. Right. Which is being this you that the consciousness that watches your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it can feel very woo, which I'm a hundred percent here for the woo. And I say my work is all the science and all the woo. This is science. This is evidence-based science. There's actually, I shall nerd a little further. There is a study using functional MRI, magnetic resonance imaging, where they put folks in the MRI machine and, and watch their brains light up as they labeled their emotions. It's called affect labeling. And the parts of the brain, the amygdala, the fear center that light up when we feel an emotion and we don't know what to do, those areas had decreased activation when we labeled the emotion, when we got into presence with it and labeled, like I shared with you, the color, the taste, the energy, because it takes it out of our neocortex, the prefrontal cortex of the brain, the executive function center, and brings us into felt experience. So it's all the science too, which ah, this nerd just loves. (laughs) Do you want to say something, Susan? Well, I I mean, your wow. nerd side loves it. And I could tell yeah. Chris Marie's nerd side loves it. Yeah. I'm always kind of like, I, call me crazy, but I'm always a little impatient because it's like science is actually so freaking slow to get to the table. I mean, <laughs> yogis have been breathing and doing oh, yeah. residence for thousands of oh, yeah. years. And now yeah. it's like all of a sudden we could say, oh, we can prove it. And it's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it is sort of funny to me. Like yeah. I can tell you have both pathways, but I yes. do always think it's interesting that like, okay, but breathe, I, the breathing thing in particular, because I've always been struck by, you know, I've seen people do miraculous things with breath work, but then the yep. minute that they actually, they won't stick with it. And it's like, mm. no, it helped you. And it's something probably outside the window. of capacity. That's where I was going to go. Yeah. yeah sticking so with hard. it. Yeah. can be really challenging to the nervous system, which yes. is why in my work, we really focus again on the kitten steps on building capacity before we go into the transformational practices. Right. Right. Yeah. And to your point, Susan, I mean, we can think of, I'm an herbalist by training. I worked in, I did clinical herbalism in my medical practice And if we think of the wise woman tradition, right, my mom's side are all green witches and worked with herbs and worked with food as medicine. Our grandmothers, 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 they knew what was good, right? They knew like, oh, if you have your period, drink nettles, right? They, it's, and yes, I think it is, it can be a tool of the patriarchy and late stage capitalism to say it's not real if there's not science. Right. Yeah. And I bring it in a number one, because it, it turns my brain on, right? Like I, 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 could I tell love it. Yeah. yeah. I, I know. It. I know. But I am <laughs> infinitely enthusiastic, but also because I'm really all about meeting people where they're at. And so if someone's brain says, well, I can't, I can't do this. If it's just woo, I need the science. I am all about meeting them with that energy because mm-hmm. why not? Right. And yes. I am, my desk is covered in crystals because I just believe, (laughs) right? And I don't need someone to tell me that this quartz or this prenite actually helps me. I feel it in my body. And so that's evidence-based enough for me, but it's also really cool when we learn, you know, echinacea works on the TH1, TH17 immune system. Like that's also cool. Very both ways. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All the science, all the woo. Yes. One of the things, and I'm, you know, we've kind of, you introduced the polyvagal with yes. the, but the trickiest part in my own recovery has been the 
because of my window of capacity was to focus and make my world safe by pleasing everybody else, the coming back and staying inside myself. And that is the, my shorthand is stay with me, stay Mm, with me. Oh, because it's so, it was such a, and it can still be a habit to leave and then to come back and just feel my feet and my seat. Yes. Yeah. Even I imagine divine's hands on my shoulder here, all these little things that I've used that didn't come out in talk therapy right? years and years. It's just finding my way in to break those pathways that just keep us focused on anything else. I think too, Chris Marie, tell me where I'm wrong. But the thing you also, which I've heard you say, is this wrestling with the idea that, because as you begin to trust your, you know, the idea that you can trust your body. But, you know, if someone has experienced trauma or whatever else, they're not really, it's not necessarily that doesn't really work to say, trust your body because their body has also has a re it's kind of got to get rewired. It's got the trauma and distinguishing the difference between a trauma answer (laughs) and a real, like, Hey, my body actually wants this versus this. And and that's the thing that I, well, the other piece of this is having a, it's part of the brain and having a limbic system impairment, which is where the fear center is so loud that it sends physical pain or Those aren't really, it's really the brain overreacting, not Mm -hmm. the the body. I actually just did a series on this on my podcast on feminist wellness, where we talked about intuition and we talked about trauma. So I did a sort of, so my training is in somatic experiencing, which is Peter Levine's work and in sensory motor psychotherapy as a coach, which is Pat Ogden's work. So these are two trauma treatment modalities that are phenomenal that I bring into my work because nerds. And so I did a sort of trauma 101 and a polyvagal 101 and talked about how the voice of intuition, our inner guidance, has what Dr. Stephen Porges, PhD, the guy who brought us polyvagal theory, calls a prosodic tone. Prosodic. Isn't that such a beautiful word? Prosodic. And so I'll share that your intuition sounds like this right? Your intuition says, don't go on that date. Hey, babe, I see a red flag. Why don't you turn left now, please? Right? Our intuition is calm, is soothing, is, can be directive, right? And we don't all hear it, but we can feel it as that calm guidance. And just, I'm about to get a little jangly, so just sharing that. <laughs> Meanwhile, anxiety sounds like this. Anxiety sounds like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't go on that date. Maybe he's going to go. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Will my friends even like her? I don't know. I just, maybe I shouldn't go to grad school. Maybe I should go to grad school. Maybe I don't know. Right. That is the voice of stress, distress, and trauma as a physical imprint in our bodies and in our hippocampus and in our amygdala and in our limbic system. Those parts of the brain they're not cool, man. They're not chill. They're not collected, right? They're high. They're high on adrenaline. They're high on cortisol. They're high on, on the sympathetic freak out, right? And so they make orders and proclamations and are forceful. And so when I hear those voices, I now know to pause, right? And do a body scan. And, and it really can take 17 seconds, right? To check in, to come into my grounding, right? And to ask the calm voice, what say you, (laughs) right? And then one of my favorite guiding questions is, what would love say in this moment, right? Because presence is love, love is presence. And when we live life from our heart, we can't go wrong. Very cool. Just to be a little bit of a 
in my own tune to this. So now I've done years of work, so I'm not totally in that place now. Yeah. But the voice you used as the calm voice mm-hmm. is actually the most traumatizing voice for me to hear so, because of my own historical experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that because there's probably people out there like me and someone yeah. listen to this calm voice. And I would be like, I, it wasn't like I was going, rah, 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 but I was just going, no way in hell. Because yeah. in my own life, that was the voice. I sure. you know, used that. So I also want to say, I loved it when you changed it to what would love say or what would, mm. what is, like I work with horses. So and oh, yeah. so I that's the path that I can use. But it can't, because as soon as I put it in a voice, it gets into, gets screwed uh, up in my own yeah. little system. And so the idea of a heartbeat or the idea Ooh. of something that, what does the heartbeat say? What is that? You know, I imagine you probably <sighs> like that too. So, yes, but I just sure. say it because- you know, yeah. there's some odd ducks out there. That yeah. have also not so odd, right? Because, and that's the work of this, right? So the internet world can make us think that like hashtag trauma is one thing, but trauma is not what happened to you. It's how your nervous system responded to it. Exactly. So there's not anything that is by definition traumatic, right? It's really about your individual experience. And so if that prosodic calm voice jacked someone else's nervous system up too. There's nothing wrong with you. There's no problem here. Nothing's gone wrong. You're not weird in a bad way. You're hopefully weird in a good way. I mean, come on now. I like weird. weird. I mean, I'm here for the weird. Let's be very real. But my point is that however your nervous system is reacting and how you respond to that reaction, that's all that matters. And so whatever the voice of your intuition, the one that guides you towards more love, that's that's the right one. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's the one. Yeah. Thank you for naming that, Susan. I'm really glad that you did. And I think what kind of what I took away is it's often hard to hear that come with the screaming memes who are like, when you you think that must be true. (laughs) Right. Right. And so that's where befriending comes in, right? To go Buddhist light on it. That's the whole tea with Mara concept, right? Where the the Buddha was giving a talk and Mara, a demon came up and was like, I'm going to throw the chairs around. I'm going to mess up your talk, Buddha. And Buddha's guards were like, yo, should we get Mara out of here? And the Buddha was like, no, dude, bring Mara in for tea. Let's have a sit down. Let's chill. Let's be friends. And come on to the actual Buddhist listening. Obviously, Mama's paraphrasing here, but uh, (laughs) that was not scripture, my darlings. My point is befriending our emotions is the most important part of this work. That's how we widen our window of capacity. That's how we learn to sit with what is, right? And so if the memes are screaming, invite the memes in for tea. Hey, loud, angry voice. What's up? Right? Yeah. Speaking of inviting in for tea, I have oh. this story in my life that your program that you are launching, I'm not sure whether it fits or not. Why don't you it, tell us about it? It sounds like being invited in for tea. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. So I run a six month program called Anchored Overcoming Codependency, and it is for humans socialized as women who want to live life with more joy, more passion, more presence by moving past our old codependent, perfectionist, and people-pleasing thought habits. We bring in all sorts of somatic practices. We really focus on stepping into greater presence. And because the mind is infinitely important, using thought work and breath work 
in a really holistic model. So when I practice medicine, I practice holistic functional medicine. I wrote prescriptions, I, I ordered labs, but I also brought in herbs and supplements and nutrition because the whole animal matters. And like we've been talking about, when we're just addressing these things using one modality, just talking, just feeling, just yoga, just meditating, we never really get to the root cause. And so in Anchor, we look at mind, body, and spirit in a beautiful community because the nervous system needs community. We can't widen our window of, of capacity alone. We need to bounce it off other people. We need to co-regulate our nervous system with others. And that's what we do in Anchor. When does it start or where people, yeah. where people find out more about it? Just yeah, absolutely. So you can head over to victorialbina.com slash anchored to learn more. Okay. okay. And we'll that's, make sure that's included in the transcript so people can get to it. So thank you. That's this has excellent. been just so neat. I love the work you're doing. We totally endorse it, believe in it. And, and yes. the idea of increasing our window of capacity or bodily dignity and um, growing your path, really the grow your capacity to be with discomfort, not trying yes. to get rid of or avoid discomfort, which I do think is a societal Oof you know, message issue. Yeah. And I love that notion because I really do believe you really can't heal. Like the whole thing about trauma is it is an act of separation. So the idea that you're not going to heal it alone in isolation, it really needs community. I just think that's a great pathway. That's what's fun about doing these podcasts with people like you, because you're part of a broader community that we really appreciate. Mm -hmm. So So thank you for taking the time to be with us. It has been such a pleasure. Shall I tell the good people where to find me? Absolutely. Beautiful. So you can follow me on Instagram. I give good gram at Victoria Albino Wellness. My podcast is called Feminist Wellness. It's for free every single Thursday. We talk about the problems and we focus a lot on the remedies. So you can get a lot of free support right through the program. And if you head on over to victoriaalbina.com, right at the top of the page, you can grab a suite of free meditations, inner child meditations, nervous system orienting exercises for free because wow. I love you. <laughs> and you gave us one on this yeah. podcast. So that's yeah. so right. fun. Okay. Thank hey, well, you. And until next time. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We hope you found today's episode valuable. We know you're busy and we want to make it easy for you to understand how conflict may be showing up in a way that's impacting your team negatively. We recorded the first three chapters of our book for you to listen to for free. Get your free audio sample at thriveinc.com forward slash free sample. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C.com forward slash F-R-E-E-S-A-M-P-L-E. 